Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Hmm? Ah! Hmm. After everything, in the midst of everything, you're sitting here glowing. The light suits you. This light here came from a spark that you helped me find. Darkness is heavy. Some of us carry more than others because we're strong enough to hold the weight. But we make the light. Hey. You make the light, Carol. You know that, don't you? You know we're not getting back together, right? <laughs> yeah, you keep saying that. <laughs> Zedheads, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Rima. And I'm Jamie. And this is The Walking Dead cast episode 466. This episode, we're covering The Walking Dead season 11, episode 15, Trust. Trust. I mean, before you say anything at all, I just want to welcome you guys to the podcast, Rima and Jamie. Uh, Rima, of course, you guys know from Strange Indeed and frequent guest hosts on a bunch of other things. Jamie, it's your first time on The Walking Dead cast. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> Woohoo! Jamie is a super longtime listener and friend and one of the biggest horror fans that I know. Was it the zombies that attracted you to The Walking Dead in the first place? Yes, it was absolutely the zombies. And then were you disappointed that there wasn't more scares and gore and stuff? No, because I, I had started reading the comic before the show came out, so I had oh, an so idea yeah, of what yeah. to expect. Yeah, man, I, lo- I love the comic. I miss that comic. I know, me too. I mean, it's interesting because the comic ended and I really didn't expect it, but it seems like the show's going to be ending up in about the same place. Not to get too much into the spoilery details, but you know? Yeah. No, it seems... It's kind of incredible. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen at all, especially when the comic ended. I'm like, well, there's no way that the show's going to stop in the same place. Like, we have to do Mm -hmm. it slightly differently somehow. I'm sure it will be somewhat different, but it really is. Right now, it feels very, very similar. And we're going to talk about The Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 15, 
trust. So Jamie, what did you think of this one in general? It was okay. I think it had some really good points and I mean, I don't know, felt like a building episode more than anything actually happening. I mean, there were some, there was some tense stuff. There was some good stuff. And then there was some like, eh, Mm -hmm. Reba. I think Jamie said it pretty well for me. I, I, I didn't hate it. It just felt like it was uh, kind of teeing us up for the mid-season finale, you know, that's that's coming up next week. Um, so, you know, I liked some things. I thought there was, you know, some fun, like, kind of gameplay between some of our groups there that I'm sure we'll talk more about. Um, but, yeah, it was it was okay. I I did love the F-bomb. You know, I don't know if we'll talk more about that later, but that was probably one of my favorite parts. And and I mean, if that's one of my favorite parts about the episode, there's not. It's kind of downhill from there. But <laughs> that's, the <highlight. laughs> that's my highlight. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I saw someone else mention that, and I missed it. I watched it twice. I didn't hear it. I didn't really know it, notice it either until really? you just said it. Oh, it was oh, Daryl. Well, right? It was Daryl. Yeah. What? It, got- what was the context? It was there at the end when, or kind of towards the end there, the little standoff with Hornsby um, uh, after he had his little talk with Herschel and, mm-hmm. um, oh and goodness. Daryl's pointing his gun at. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. and he, he dropped it then. <laughs> um, yeah. I pretty much feel the same. I thought I've really been digging these middle eight episodes and so this one didn't meet up to where most of the other ones have been for me. It was good though. Still, I think it's still good. It was, had some great character moments, relationship moments and chemistry, and it did move the story forward, but it also made me feel like a lot of listeners have been feeling, which is impatient for, okay, can we please get to the climax, the rebellion or whatever, you know, it's that old walking dead feeling that used to happen a lot before Angela Kang came and, and sped up the pacing where it's like, okay, we know something's going to happen at the end of these eight episodes. And it feels like we're just kind of on a elliptical machine waiting to get to it or something, <laughs> you know? So, um, I don't know. Maybe once we get done with the podcast, I'll like it more. I did like it though. I thought there were some really good moments. I mean, my favorite, well, I don't want to tell you my favorite cause it might be one of your points, but let's get into our points. Jamie, what do you got? Um, I mean, my absolute favorite part was Mercer and princess. <laughs> like yeah they so cute they're super cute i mean they hit the beginning of a new relationship dynamic really really well with mm-hmm. them like the just a not quite awkward but still like having conversations just kind of feeling each other out instead of just like blurting out things or whatever like you could tell like they're not carefully choosing their words, but they're being a little cautious with the way they're talking when they were in bed. Like, you know, she wants to know what's going on with him, but she doesn't want to be like, dude, what the hell's going on? She's right. like, yeah. you know, you know, she starts with the, these wake up calls and then she's like, do you actually sleep? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, she's like tiptoeing into it. <laughs> There's still the newness of the yeah. honeymoon stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's like, they played it off really well. And then like later on when they're, actually opening up to each other and like, okay, now this is a, you know, this is going to be a thing and we're going to do this together and we're going to figure this out together. Like, I mean, it was just, I, I think it was written and acted absolutely perfectly. Like it just felt really real. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm saying that because I'm in a new relationship and it like, I 
I know those beats, but you're in the bubble. That's I'm in the so bubble. And they're in the bubble. So it's... yeah. So if your your new boyfriend was like, you're like, there's something wrong. I don't think I think you're feeling bad. And he's like, yeah, I just uh, killed two of my coworkers, and I feel like I want to kill some more. Would you be like, well, let's go figure it out, baby? Um, in the apocalypse, <laughs> maybe. In the ZA, yeah. <laughs> in this world, yeah, exactly. not so much. <laughs> right, right. It was, I mean, I did sort of have that thought about, would she really just be like, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> I mean, or something like that. But it is, it's the zombie apocalypse. And also, it's TV, so it's a little yeah. heightened. And also, she, she, I mean, I'm sure it's the same with you and your boyfriend, but she just knows that he has a good heart. So she can sort of take it for granted that if he did that, then he felt it must have been the right thing. Yeah. I mean, and he did open up, like he started it with, Hey, this went against how I was raised, everything mm-hmm. I believe it's totally against my character. And somehow I'd still do it again. Like that was powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's all about his changing attitude about everything that's going on in the Commonwealth, which I think that was the biggest thing about this episode was Mercer and his sister, you mm-hmm. know, shifting but anyway i love that scene too i love that sequence i like both the actors and i think it's really fun to see how mercer shows different sides of himself depending on who he's interacting with like if he's interacting with um his sister he's big brother type a little condescending sometimes but is looking out for her best interests and maybe a little too dismissive with his with uh princess we saw him smile like we never see him smile (laughs) and he bites his lower lip being all cute and he's (laughs) playful pretending to be a robot and all this stuff and uh with daryl i feel like he's the boss but there's a definite growing mutual respect between the two of them and um then with like sebastian he's super quiet and he plays the dutiful soldier but keeps how he's really feeling completely hidden you know, that which is kind of the Mercer that we've known this whole time until recently, like just quiet, mysterious. But now we get to see some of these other sides that he lets out when he's around people he trusts more. Yeah. Testament to a good character and a good actor. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Did either one of you guys get to talk to? Oh, wait. Jamie wasn't there. No. Rima, did you get to talk to um, Michael James Shaw? In Fandemic? No, I uh, ran into him at the after party. Uh, and was like, oh, sorry, excuse me, because <laughs> kind of got in the way a little bit. And I was just like, oh, wow, there's Michael James Shaw. And yeah, he's just as <laughs> like big and like, God, the dude's a beast. And and yeah. wow. Um, Is he tall? Um, he, he I think he had a couple of inches on me um, okay. as far as height. But so, yeah, he's tall. But my goodness, he's the dude is a beast. I mean, I think when zombies see Mercer coming, they shoot themselves in the head um, so <laughs> I to deal with him. But I do love their um, chemistry together. I think um, um, Paola, I'm probably butchering her name and I apologize. Um, and Michael James Shaw have a really sweet chemistry together. It seems like they have an easy relationship easy friendship i think in real life which probably helps attribute to their on-screen chemistry as well because it looks natural to me like it doesn't look like they're really acting it seems you know when they're with each other and talking with each other and being sweet with each other it seems really genuine i i really like that yeah well when she was on walking dead cast a few months ago whenever we did that interview with her and we asked her about him and they had just met for this but um 
you could tell she had a lot of love for him already and that they just clicked, you know, right away. So that was cool. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Okay, Rima, what's your next, what's your first point? I wanted to, because I haven't, um, this is my first time guesting on this new season of uh, Walking Dead cast and getting to talk about some of the new characters. Um, and one character that I find fascinating um, and, and not boring by any means is Lance Hornsby. Mm. I think this actor, his name is Josh Hamilton. I think he plays such a great villain. I just want to kind of, you know, kind of just talk about him for a moment. Um, I, I think that just watching like just watching him on screen is fascinating he's got this evil lurk in his eyes like just a split second and then he'll smile <laughs> or he'll snap back into like and in, you know into um kind of decompressing the whole situation like he he's thinking for just a moment and then he realizes oh i've got to get back to my character now and <laughs> and he goes to like diffusing everything and when that dude smiles he has dead eyes like do you guys notice <laughs> that at all that when he he does not smile with his eyes you know hmm. um at all he, he's got dead eyes yeah it's all it's an act he's a manipulator oh, totally oh yeah i mean mm. i i know that he is but it's just like it he's pulling it off so well like oh, yeah. and and i don't know and he, the dude does not blink i don't know if they go through a lot of <laughs> eye drops on set or not but this dude does not blink and i and i love i love watching him because i feel like he's so unpredictable i think when um i don't know like with negan or the governor uh you could kind of tell kind of where they were their facial expressions or their emotions or something kind of gave them away. I don't know what this dude's going to do. Like, I feel, if, at least for me, I feel he's kind of unpredictable. I feel like, is he going to snap and, you know, order someone to be killed? Or is he going to like, oh, no, we're, we're good. You know, um, you know, you're safe. I feel like he's unpredictable and I find him very interesting to watch. I feel like the governor is a bit similar. He put on a front for his people, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Negan, definitely what you saw was what you got <laughs> with him. And uh, Lucy is in love with Lance Hornsby. She wants to start, she wants them to do a spinoff called horny for Hornsby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> but yeah, he's, I, I, in fact, as you were talking, I'm like, hey, maybe we should try to get Josh Hamilton on for an interview soon. That would be super cool. Cause I think he's incredible in the role. I love him. Yeah. yeah he's, he's. he's great he's like the the worst middle manager of the zombie apocalypse you know <laughs> it's, it's great so yeah just a little appreciation you know comment for him because i think he's i think he's interesting i've had issue with some of the new characters that we've met i'm and i i'm kind of frustrated with our like beloved og characters but i like him i think he's interesting you know to watch so can I give him a shout out? So, yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit, not on a podcast. So I know that you're not a number one fan of the storyline right now. And I didn't know that you weren't a fan of some of the characters. Can you just talk a little bit more about, since we haven't heard from you in a while, how you're feeling about The Walking Dead right now? I, I, I think I'm struggling really kind of figuring out my feelings, honestly. I, I and I feel like I contradict myself as far as my feelings. Like there's a lot of things that I like and there's things that I'm enjoying. Like I do think it is kind of interesting the the story of the Commonwealth. It's, you know, to kind of see 
where our people have been and how they've struggled and tried to build these communities and they're trying to figure out what life looks like now post-apocalypse and, you know, um, having families and kids and kind of moving on and growing and, you know, what do we do now with, with the life? And they've kind of went one way. And then now being introduced to the Commonwealth, it's kind of interesting to see here's a community that's kind of still embracing our old life with, you know, a class system and money, which seems so freaking ridiculous, you know, in this post-apocalyptic life that, you know, you, you know, you can't even get freaking medical care, you know, Um, you have to have money um, to be able to do things and have access to things. And um, it just seems ridiculous. And so I think it's kind of interesting to see. Um, you know, the contrast between the two of where our group was and what they've been building and what's existing in the Commonwealth. But at the same time, I'm kind of getting introduced to all of these new characters, some of that I just I don't really care about. I find them boring and uninteresting and I don't feel like I'm very invested. And then the characters that we do know and love so much or I love so much are kind of boring. They're all just good guys now trying to fight, <laughs> fight the good fight. And I'm just like, mm. I kind of miss... The days when Rick and the group was marching up into Alexandria and he's, you know, punching people and shooting people and, um, you know. It's interesting. It's so, I don't know. Like, uh, it's sort of like Fear the Walking Dead season four when they all decided they wanted to be helpers or season five or whatever it was. And they were all the same. Yeah. They're just helping all the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean gosh i hate to make i hate to go that far no i mean i i but... never really thought about it before but yeah they're all i mean there's something kind of nice about that that they're all they seem to be they have each other's backs you know i mean they always yeah. have but there's always like conflict and stuff too and now there's not much conflict among our characters and that's different for the walking Dead. that's totally true yeah and thought about that. I don't want to spend a lot of time picking on like the show or anything, but I'm totally curious. Like, what's an example of one of the characters that you're not that into? Like when, like new characters? Yeah. Like, I I thought I would get, or I thought I would find, um, uh, uh Yukimo's brother Tomi a little bit more mm-hmm. interesting. But I I really enjoy her character, and I like Magna, and they've kind of disappeared, and now he's been yeah. kind of been brought to the forefront and i thought i'd find him more interesting but i just really don't um Mm. so i'm kind of just bored with him i I guess he's there you know to kind of push the narrative a little bit and maybe with you know ezekiel and such like in this episode um but i I really don't care for him if i have to look at that snotty sebastian one more time i might punch (laughs) myself in the face i don't know um i don't know yeah so there there you don't you don't like the nice guys you like the bad boys (laughs) <laughs> no comment even Negan's even Negan's nice now <laughs> I was yeah, gonna say that like even of... Negan's being a good guy <laughs> now he's boring so <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh what about you Jamie how are you digging it I couldn't put my finger on it until Rima said it like yeah we're I mean it definitely feels like it's wrapping up like now all our all our characters are good guys like there's there's no conflict amongst our group anymore it's just this snotty Sebastian kid, and now it's just Lance. like a class system, which we all said, you know, oh, you know, a lot of people complain like, oh, I'm tired of like the big baddie of the season that we have to fight. But yeah, seems like that was the story with, you know, to go with like that was more interesting and more suspenseful or mm-hmm. at least more interesting because right now it, it feels too much like real life, maybe. 
Yeah, I could see that for sure. Mm, they that's a good done point. A, I mean, one. Th- I mean, I'm loving it. You know, I, I, I love when shows morph in a way that works. You know, so if you don't think it works, then that's no good. But I do, and and I don't want the same thing all the time. I like I'm a novelty seeker, and um, I I've been saying this on the podcast a lot, but I I think it's interesting how maybe the show started off with the collapse of civilization, but now it's ending up with the possibility of bringing it back and our characters have to reckon with whether they want that or not, which I think is fascinating. And also all the forces at play in the society about class classism and uh, the people on the bottom providing all of the amenities that the people in the top get to enjoy. And the people on the bottom are kind of trapped and, you know, they can be manipulated. It's making me look at our society in a fresh way. I mean, I've thought about a lot of that stuff before, but you know how it's different when you think about something and when you actually experience it. So when I'm watching the show, I'm getting more of a feeling for this kind of thing. Even like uh, how I think this list that uh, Connie has is a bunch of people who have probably been are under the thumb. This is my speculation under the thumb of Lance because they're in debt, right? That's what what April's problem was. The one that from last week that was in the apartment complex or whatever, or not, you know, went to get the cash. Uh, she was in debt. So they would clear her debt if she could get this cash for Sebastian. Uh, this guy, Tyler, that flipped out at the ball of several episodes back. He, mm-hmm. yeah, he got a uh, demo or he lost his job because he messed up with princess in the train car and then he couldn't take care of his sister anymore. And I presume that they probably used that to have him do something dangerous. And that's why he's pissed off. And he's yelling that um, they they think people like him are disposable and everything. And um, that makes me think like, okay, if all these people on this list are people that they've either deliberately maneuvered into the situation where they're desperate or it's just a function of the society that they're in that's put them in that place and then they can use them from that place to do their dirty work or whatever then um the way to get out of it would be for them to form together because if there's just one because you need the people on the bottom like i said to provide the amenities that the people on top get to enjoy but if just one of them rebels, then it doesn't make a difference. So they all have to bond together. And in our world, that's called a union, you know, like a workers union. And when they, when, if they can manage to organize and get together before they get squashed, then they actually have power and they can make demands and get fair conditions for themselves. So it was just, that's just one example of a concept that I knew about unions, but I've never really felt an experience of, Oh yeah, this is the kind of force that would happen that would make people motivate people to band together like that. So I don't know. I just find it fascinating to see how the show is making me reflect on real world issues, but also sometimes you just want an escape. I get that too. <laughs> well, one thing I did find really, really interesting from a couple episodes ago was the heroin creation, like certain uh-huh. things, like when society starts to come back, you're going to have things like that, like a black market of some kind. And you see it again with the, you know, in this episode with the, um, the veterinary health clinic, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like with society coming back and society having rules, there are people who are going to break these rules and just, you know, the ways they're 
you know, I was like, oh yeah, well, the hospital would need, you know, pain medicine and the heroin's mm-hmm. going to be the easiest one to make. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I, ne- that was something I never thought like s- stuff like that is, I mm-hmm. do find really interesting that they even thought of that. And then also, but with that comes a seedy element, like it just does. And that, yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's not maybe completely sterile or <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That whole thing was really interesting. It's, he started this free clinic basically. Right. Because I mean, Rima, you mentioned you can't even get medical care, but I feel like if Ezekiel was back in Alexandria, he'd be done for because they don't have any surgeons there. Right. So there actually is the potential for healthcare, but the problem is that all the advantaged people get to be first on the list, all the, you know, upper class. Right. And so, so. No, so, there, there is that. That That's a good yeah. point. You're, you're, you're right. But mm-hmm. I mean, if it hadn't been for Carol, Carol intervening and getting him moved up on that list, I mean, right. and that's kind of my problem with it. Like, oh, it's great that they have like this facility and they have um, doctors and nurses and staff that are qualified to at least provide some health care. I just don't like their way that they go about it. Why, you know, and I get that you have to, if you have so many people um, who need help, everyone has to be triaged and it should be in line based on how urgent the situation is, not, right. you know, your your place in society or, you mm-hmm. know, that you are someone who can either afford it or, you know, whatever their system is. It That, that part to me sucks. So, you know, and Ezekiel was, you know, he could have died, you know, um, it sounded like it was, he was getting progressively worse. Um, and he was so far down on the line, he may not have made, I think Tommy might've said something to Carol about that. Like he's not going to make it by the time we get to yeah. him on, on the list. So. And I, they, I don't think they explicitly said that the list, the order of the list is based on how much cachet you have or whatever. But I'm pretty sure that's the case, right? That's that's the problem that yeah. people with more influence and power get to cut in line. And so Ezekiel creates this free clinic to help the people with the most need, even if they don't have any cachet or whatever. And it's basically like socialized or free health care, you know, universal health care. <laughs> well, I mean, they said it was money because the girl who, with the appendix couldn't afford the surgeon, well, didn't want to put her family in debt to have her appendix oh, okay. taken out. So it is a financial right. thing, but people mm-hmm. with money have the the status. Yep. Yeah. Money's power. Yeah. So I think that, I think it, you know, it's money and power rolled into one, but they definitely said that it was because of money that she couldn't, she either couldn't or chose not to do the surgery in the hospital. Right. Yeah, like I, I am really enjoying. I, I think they've done such a great job, better than the comic, of introducing the idea of class that comes yeah. with this larger population, and I've been enjoying it. But I also am starting to feel like, okay, we get it. <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, I I totally feel like I haven't quite settled and made up my mind. There's there's definitely things that I have found interesting in exploring the community of the Commonwealth. I do find it interesting in the, in the whole dynamic and, and what that's like for, for our, uh, you know, our group who've, you know, the hill, hilltop in Alexandria and how they've struggled and the things that they've been through and seen. Um, and then introduced to this, you know, polite society, you know, where there's rules and, and laws and, and class and, and movie money theaters and, and ice cream. And- yeah. So, I yeah. mean, it's definitely been interesting to kind of watch all of that, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, all right, like you just said, I'm kind of, I get it. Let's, 
let's keep moving and let's yeah. let this play out, you know. I mean, people are saying, oh, it doesn't, like, we need to get through this so we can get to the end. And I'm feeling like, who knows how it's going to end, but they could just write an ending in the next episode if they wanted to, you know. I don't yeah. know what people are expecting to be a satisfying ending because we know there's these spinoffs. So it's not like everyone's going to die or something. I, we wouldn't really want that anyway, but I imagine they'll just be, you know, settled in some place yeah. relatively settled. Right. That'll be the ending. I mean, yeah. I, having society back is the yeah. goal, right? Kind and they the basically, <laughs> and they found it. Right. So I'm so curious what these next nine episodes will be. I just want to feel like, all right, that was good. If I have that feeling <laughs> once it's over, oh my gosh, I'll be happy. Yeah, I really just kind of went, I guess, the bare minimum of just being like, okay, yeah, that I can live with that. That was good, uh, and and not to blow it. I I I have concerns. I do just the way mm -hmm. that things were announced as far as when they decided to end the show, and I don't feel the people who were writing the show knew the show was going to end when they were writing the season. And I, I'm a little yeah. bit worried. About I think that. maybe they extended it to 24 once they found that out, you know what I mean? So that the, the at least within the last eight, they could really focus on wrapping it up. I hope so. Yeah, me too. Hanging on to hope on that one. For sure. There's only nine episodes <laughs> left. I know. Oh God, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So sad. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. My turn, right? Yep. All right. So here's some things that I felt kind of confused and or nitpicky about. Um, I love the opening shot with Carlson, half-eaten face, oh, camera so good, yeah. rising above him with Zed's lying all around him. Um, and then it was kind of fun how it was a crime scene with evidence markers and Commonwealth cops pointing and taking notes and you could hear chatter on the radio. That's another thing that's fun for me about the Commonwealth. It feels like we're taking our zombie apocalypse characters and dropping them into another show and seeing how they'll do on that show, you know, a little bit. Oh yeah. Especially the, the Eugene one with his, that whole noir thing. Um, but why is Carlson only a little bit eaten and who killed the Zeds that were eating him? I mean, last we saw, they were all chowing down on him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I had the same question. Um, guess we could have just missed that part, but kind of bothered me. <laughs> and then the whole thing about Lance just showing up on that roof with Aaron and Gabriel, you know, where we had seen them last after they shot Carlton or Carlson and he fell off the roof. Is that what happened? They shot him, right? Yeah. Aaron yeah, shot him. So. And then Lance is there and he says they called him on the walkie talkie and he drove over, but it seems weird. I mean, Commonwealth is 400 miles away. Maybe he's just in the area because he's, but we've seen him in the Commonwealth in the last episode when he was talking to Carlson. So 
it's so far away. And it also seems a little weird to me that this apartment complex that they had this, you know, group that they were, they thought stole their guns is pretty close to Hilltop. Just, I guess by coincidence, I need a map, but it's like 400 miles away from the Commonwealth. So I don't know. It just seems a little bit coincidental. I mean, I guess you could say that Lance, maybe when he was over there, exploring this deal with Alexandria and Hilltop and all them that he, that was the same time that he found out about these guns and had people come out to get them or something like that. I don't know, but don't you guys think it's a little weird that all this stuff is happens to be going on so far away from the Commonwealth and close to our communities. Yes. Yeah, I it's a little Westerosi Game of Thrones kind yeah. of getting from the north yeah. to King's Landing. Lance, Lance shows up on his dragon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dragon Lance. Um so and also like he's up there on the roof and he's like saying to Aaron and Gabriel, All right, so you're telling me that these guys killed all our trained soldiers and you two are the only two left alive. And uh ha- you know, you expect me to believe that. And I'm thinking, well, Lance knows that Aaron and Gabriel did not know the true nature of this mission. They thought they were going on a humanitarian mission, but it turned out it was to kill this warlord. And he he said to Carlson, well, once they find out, they'll fall in line. So you'd think that he might think, oh, I guess they didn't fall in line. And also, I think they know that Lance knew the truth about the mission. So, and I think he knows that they know that he knows. <laughs> so That's the theme so, of this episode. <laughs> it was a little bit like, can't we all just stop pretending? Like, I don't know. I guess I, I, it just seemed a, a little crazy to me that um, he was like accusing them. And then they were like, are you calling us liars? And then he's like, okay, never mind. You're fine. Like, I mean, maybe he was just filing that away for later and he's going to follow up on it. But was a little weird yeah but i did i did like the little dark humor moment with uh seth and um uh, ross. ross that you know they're like oh yep that's that's pretty much how it happened yeah yeah you know? <laughs> i thought that was um kind of fame, even though it was like bullshit um and hornsby i think totally knew it was bullshit but yeah i think you're right i think he was just kind of filing it away for later like he knows but he's gonna like try to play it out and and see what comes of it, I think. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, but then he's also got them with him, so you'd think he might think, you know, I'm pretty sure these guys betrayed me, and so it might be dangerous to have them with me. But and then and then the other thing that kind of didn't make sense to me is Lance thinks the reason Aaron and Gabriel survived at the apartment complex is because they knew someone there. And he was right, it was because they knew Negan, really. I would say, but, um, it was, I thought it was a bit of a stretch that he would deduce that maybe they just figured out what was going on and told the group, Hey, we didn't know we were here to kill you. We're on your side. They told us it was a humanitarian mission. I don't know. But anyway, so Lance deduced that they knew someone there, but then what he somehow thinks that that means Maggie's involved because it seemed like once he figured that out, he was like, well, let's go check Hilltop and see if these killer quote unquote killers went there. I I wasn't quite sure why he made that. Like, does he think Maggie is part of this group at the apartment complex or in league with them or something? Or is it just because Hilltop is nearby? I don't, I don't know. It seemed a bit of a stretch, I thought, to try to connect Maggie to that. But he's, he, 
like you said, we had like some CSI, I think, happenings <laughs> here with uh, because he's he's looking at the tire the tires on her truck and like oh we found tire tracks and you know I think he's I, I think they're trying to show us that he's connecting the dots, but I still think it's a stretch. Yeah, we don't know how exactly. Yeah. How. I feel like they could have done a better job at making that make sense that he would go oh, over I, the hilltop and I, want to I check agree. them out. I agree. I guess. I think it's just maybe too. it was just because it's nearby and he knows that they are friends with her. So maybe if they were helping these people, that that would be a good place to stash them, which does make sense. Like I was wondering if they were there. Yeah, and, and maybe and it felt just like a power play. Like yeah. he was using this as a chance to exert his power on hilltop. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think he did. He think does they that were, a lot. Yeah, but I, it felt like a power play too. Like, even if they're wrong, even if I'm wrong and they're not there, mm-hmm. I'm still going to make them scared of me mm-hmm. and respect me. Yeah, because he was pretty irritated when Maggie, you know, because he he kind of felt like he had Hilltop in the bag uh, with the with Milton, and then when Maggie's like, "Yeah, no, nah, I'm good." I don't mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with you guys. I think it really soured his plans. I think he's got it out for Maggie and Hilltop a little bit. So he's really just like trying to connect the dots. I I still think it was a stretch that we kind of got there, but I think that's what his whole point was. Yeah. I think his main goal is to root out these killers and find his guns, but I think he was happy to also be able to kind of put her in her place so to speak you know like you're saying yeah okay jamie what do you got for your next one well i mean kind of playing off that the the scene with the um truck not like i mean i watched that scene like three or four times and every time i'm like oh my god is it gonna start is it not gonna start (laughs) it was really tense it was was so intense (laughs) do we believe that he just happens to be a mechanic who knows about starter relays Say I don't. There's buy no it way. All. So. They were a f- very good family of gearheads. If he <laughs> couldn't figure out what was going on with the truck, so what got? Yeah, that was a nice tense scene. But I, I kind of thought it wouldn't start. Although I wasn't sure, so I was anxious. But um, I just think, especially watching second time, you know, Daryl's there. We finally get to see uh, that we'd flash forward six months and see confrontation with armored Daryl and Maggie at Hilltop. Now we get to see what that was all about, which is basically that all these guys showed up to search the place. She said no. And Lance looked like he was about to tell them to force their way in, which could have ended up in deaths. So Daryl wanted to intervene to try to deescalate. And that's exactly what he did. So Daryl's like, when he talks to Maggie about that, he's like, I know you don't trust them, but trust me. And so I'm thinking if Daryl's saying, trust me, you can let these guys in to search the place. Then Daryl must know that the, that, you know, the people in Ian slash Negan's group are not there. Uh, Or he feels like he could somehow divert them from finding them, but I don't know how he could do that. So I would think he would know that they weren't there, that Aaron and Gabriel must have clued them in because the last we saw Aaron and Gabriel, they were with Maggie and Negan and that whole group going, oh, who, who did take the guns then? And then it switched over to Leah, everybody's favorite. So um, I presume that uh, Maggie and Negan and the whole group, they had a plan for where they could go hide 
and it wasn't Hilltop and Daryl knew that, right? I, I think he did. I think he and I think he was trying to silently communicate that to Maggie, and I think right. that he wanted to it's like, okay. yeah, like it's a like. <laughs> well, and he was going to be able to keep an eye on them, you know. Uh, yeah. Gabriel and Aaron with Daryl were going to be job able to letting Lance talk to little Herschel. But no, whatever. they did kind of let him out of their sight for a little bit there, and that didn't turn out so great for them. But you know, at least to be able to keep an eye on them and kind of see what what was going on, and um, you know, at least try to be there in support of Maggie and you know, not have her up against it all on her own or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying if you would think that Daryl probably knew that they weren't in there because otherwise, if he's saying, trust me, it'll be fine. And then the soldiers go in and find (laughs) this Uh, group that they're looking for, then it's not going to be fine. No, definitely not going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must have been communicated off screen, and we didn't see that whenever he was when he was I with would think, Gabriel yeah. and and Aaron. Yeah, but it was still I I didn't have I didn't think about that until second watch. So I was wondering if they were there on first watch, and it was tense. The whole the whole thing was tense. Yeah, they did a good job uh, build building up that tension. So I did I did like that part. Anything else on that point, Jamie? Well, just Maggie being badass. Like when it didn't start, she's like, you have till sundown and you're out of here. Like, (laughs) I was just like, you go. (laughs) She had a good poker face there because we needed to think that maybe she was worried that it was going to start. But in hindsight, she probably damn well knew it wasn't. She definitely looked, I mean, she looked nervous that it might. Yeah. I was going to say, right. I thought she had a little bit of a nervous look on her face. And I was like, oh, hell, uh, you you <laughs> need to straighten yourself out before, which I, I feel like Lance just kind of knew anyway. Like, I feel like the whole whole thing, he, you know, they, they all knew that they knew that the other knew what was going on. Um, <laughs> no, I think he was hoping it would start because he looked really disappointed when it didn't. Oh, he totally did. But I, you know, I, I, I still feel like he knows that Maggie knows something. Like, even if oh, she's not yeah. the one responsible for having anything to do with their guns disappearing, like, he he knows that she knows something. Yeah. And that she's involved somehow. Um, but yeah, I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, you you, you look a little guilty. Um, wipe that look <laughs> off your face a little bit. I thought it was interesting, though, how quickly you know the niceties were were dropped between them because you know even when she turned them down she was you know maggie was fairly pleasant about it. she's like yeah you know that sounds great and all but just not for us and we're good and, <laughs> no and thanks yeah and then she all of a sudden the office. and now she's like get the fuck out of here you know and don't come back so um you know it, it's, it was interesting to see how quickly the pleasantries uh stopped from that last episode to this one all right Rima, what's your next one? Well, I'll move up my my point because I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this game um, that's being played throughout the the episode uh, between all of these characters. You know, this game between uh, Hilltop and Hornsby. Like I said, this, well, I know that you know that we know that you know, <laughs> like, what's going on. And even Herschel knows, like, Hornsby's full of shit, which I thought was absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, adorable. Um, oh, I'm not telling you nothing, dude. Yeah, he's no snitch. <laughs> he he knows. Uh, so I, I, I like that moment. I was honestly kind of scared there for a minute because I was like, oh, gosh, does does he know not to say anything? But, yeah, Maggie has raised him well, and he, he definitely, you know, knew to be quiet. And I, I did like the tension, you know, like like you pointed out, Jamie, that that's, 
scene with the with the truck. I was I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh my gosh, is it gonna start? Is it gonna start? What you know, what's gonna happen? Um, but you know, it's like our characters now um, are all starting to realize that the Commonwealth is not what it seems to be. They're even getting the residents of the Commonwealth, like Mercer and his sister. You know, um, you've got the soldier who's you know shouting things. Connie's getting ready to like blow this story possibly um so it's like you know now it's just kind of a question of when all of this is going to kind of explode um mm-hmm. you know and, and everything that we've you know found out about the commonwealth you know and when this is going to happen i guess during from from this whole season you know like i said connie and kelly are finding out information from eugene and max to kind of find out about what sebastian did and you know, print that, which I'm thinking, how the hell can she possibly get away with that? How could she possibly be allowed to print that, you know, that he's responsible for this? Yeah. Like from what we've seen of her editor, they're going to have to sneak it out or something. Yeah. If they're going to be able to do it at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they're working on that. You know, Mercer is, you know, getting pressure from his sister to, you know, hey, you know, um, we we need to do something here. Right. And he's also got support from Princess, you know, for that as well. Carol, uh, you know, she seems pretty fed up with what she's got going on with Hornsby, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think she's definitely got something going on. So you've got her involved uh, and, you know, kind of getting things stirred up. And it's like, you know, now in this whole situation with like Hilltop, you know, everybody's pointing guns at each other. Daryl's pointing guns at Horn, uh, gun at Hornsby. That isn't going to, you know, I feel like we've, we've gone too far to kind of like... It's okay, you yeah. know. It's it's fine. Like I I was surprised that Daryl was allowed to stay. Like if you're a soldier and you point a gun at your commanding officer and and threaten to kill him, mm-hmm. then you're not going to be allowed to come along. You're going to go to the brig or whatever. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a suspension of disbelief for me. Yeah, totally. So. You know, I feel like we're, we're definitely at but this But it's point. like a big pot of bo- water that's just about ready to boil right now. 100%. Yeah. Really, really <laughs> good analogy of where I was going with that. It's all simmering yeah. and it's getting ready to just, <laughs> you know, erupt here. And, you know, and I found, I found it interesting that an episode called Trust, you know, was really a whole bunch of people saying a whole bunch of things out loud, but nobody was actually telling the truth. They were all saying a bunch of things, but not really saying what they actually meant. Um, And then I think pretty much every exchange with Hornsby, um, you know, had to do with telling each other the opposite of the truth (laughs) in this episode. So it was kind of interesting, the title of the episode and, and it Mm -hmm. had almost nothing to do with the truth or trust. So anyway, I mean, there, there were a lot of, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, th- there were s- scenes with characters that decided to trust each other. Like, um, I would say Max and Eugene and um, Princess and Mercer mostly, right? Mm, yeah, but maybe Daryl and even Carol and Ezekiel didn't quite come together. They love each other, but she, d- she thinks it's better off that he doesn't know what's going on, which is so Carol. Yeah, that's the definition of Carol. I'm saying Carol holds everything close to the chest. (laughs) One thing you mentioned, uh, you know, the scene with Lance and Herschel, you were scared. And I was scared for Lance in that scene. (laughs) Because I'm like, you're fucking with Maggie's kid, dude. You're going to die in a second here if you don't back off. And I I I mean, maybe he would deserve it but uh, because he's the bad guy. But I was I'm not saying I don't think he would deserve something. But. I was like, oh, God, you better get away from that kid, dude. Oh, 
I mean, I, I was scared for Herschel for maybe like, oh, does he know not to say anything? But yeah, also right. I was like, oh, Lance, um, <laughs> you you have here. no idea what you are doing right now. I mean, they and they're already and I mean, Mag, maybe Maggie doesn't know that part, but like what Daryl and Rosita went through where they're kind of threatening, you know, their kids, RJ and Judith and um, baby Coco. And I get it, right? You know, we're all parents here. And I mean, I'm telling you what, and my kid's a, a full ass grown adult, but it doesn't matter. If you mess with my kid, I'm I'm coming at you and I'll I'll tear you apart. So right. I, I totally relate to that. Um so I'm thinking you've got Daryl there who just went through having, you know, I know they're not his kids, but he's basically the guardian of RJ and Judith right now. Um so, you know, that doesn't go off well, but I'm like, oh Lance. <laughs> you have no idea with what you play with when you're threatening this little boy. Um, so yeah, he 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 got very lucky. He's lucky to be alive. Yeah, and I don't think he has any clue how lucky he was in that moment. <laughs> he puts himself in some pretty dangerous situations, and he's so far been able to talk himself out of it. I mean, he's a fixer. He's, That's what he does, right? Yeah, I think he's so right. he's good at diffusing and talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and turning a situation to his advantage. Totally. I'm not sure if he would have been able to talk his way out of if Herschel pulled the gun on him the way Negan did the last episode. Mm. You mean you think Herschel would have shot him? If he if it got to that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that he had this has the skill like he has the skills to talk his yeah. way out of an adult. I don't know that he has the skills to talk his no, way because out of he a would kid. have been trying to bullshit that kid. Negan wasn't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the kid could tell. Kids can read bullshit better than adults. I was going to say, yeah. kids, yeah, it's pretty hard to fool kids. They see see right through it. <laughs> All right. I think it's my turn. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, just thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about what exactly is going on with the Commonwealth, you know, under the surface. Because Eugene and Rosie to tell Connie and Kelly about Sebastian having sent people to get cash for him and ton of them got killed and then she brings out that list of names that someone left for connie after this guy tyler that blew up at the party went missing and um i think lucy had predicted that maybe that was a list of people who'd been sent out to get the cash rosita says there's way more names on this list than sebastian sent into that house i'm like are you sure maybe he sent (laughs) a thousand people in there (laughs) but uh I think we can take that. I, I feel like we can take that for granted. The point is that it's actually a bigger story than just that. Mm-hmm. And because uh, she says maybe it's related, but there's something else going on here. And so what do you guys think it is that's going on? I think there's a group trying to, if not take over, at least equalize the Commonwealth a little more, not have so much of the haves and the have nots. So you think it's a list of like rebels? Yeah. Kind of. Well, rebels or people who, I mean, obviously, I mean, that April girl didn't seem to be much of a rebel, so it's got to be something else, it may be something else with that, but I, I feel like there is a group already out there trying to, like you said, unionize, you know, for lack of a better term, unionize. Yeah. Um, Organize. Yeah, I feel like j- just from that episode that we had, just those few scarce moments that we had, like with Magna, I feel like there's a little bit of a resistance, mm-hmm. you know, kind of happening uh in the underground that and maybe it has something to do with that i'm I'm not entirely sure but that's i'm kind of on that same wavelength 
I think it's a list of people that Lance has used, has either deliberately maneuvered into situations where they need help financially or whatever, and so that he can then use that to get them to do the things that he wants that are dirty work. Like just the same way that they Sebastian sent them all to get cash, only it's other things. And I think that's why Tyler, I was sort of confused about his story at first because he um, said, you know, that whole thing I mentioned earlier about having lost his position in the military because of what happened with princess. But there was always a suggestion that it was more than that, that she, she said, you know, you think that we're disposable and in an earlier episode, Connie had said something happened to Tyler Davis, something he blames governor Milton for something worth confronting her in public over. And they clearly have a reason for suppressing the truth. So I'm like, well, I guess it's more than just him losing his position. He, something else happened. And now with the stuff that's happened in this episode and recent episodes, it seems like, yeah, he's like this whole list of people are people that they've used and abused because they were in a desperate situation, you know, and maybe there are even people that have died in the line of doing all this stuff or whatever. I don't know. That's what I think it is. I think that's a good theory too. I honestly, I don't know one way or another, but I mean, yes, like you said, it's like these, they, they have things that they can hold over these people. It can be you know, wiping out debts. It could be giving them money and giving them higher status. It could be providing medical care for them or someone in their family or a loved one or something. It could be just so mm-hmm. many things that, yeah, you know. The interesting thing, if I'm right, what I still don't know is what are they having them do? You know, what mm-hmm. what are they doing? And um, so now Eugene wants Max to do some digging and I don't know if he knows exactly what, but it feels like he just, they think that the Miltons are connected to this. And so she's close to Pamela Milton, her assistant. So she can go dig around for some files or something that connect the Miltons to this list of names and find out exactly what's going on, which I hope we find out next episode. Cause I feel like they need to get it going. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's Jamie's turn. I'm going to go with uh, Ezekiel and uh, Tommy when they were talking like right before they got caught. And it's just the juxtaposition with that scene, with the scene before with Mercer and Max, where Mercer was like struggling to find his words. And then I feel like uh, Tommy found the words. It was like, you know, why upset the apple cart if it's keeping you safe? Mm -hmm. Like, and then Ezekiel's quote was, that's the struggle protecting ourselves or others. And then Tommy's like, oh, I wouldn't mind both, which I think is the goal of our group is like, all right, let's keep everybody safe. Like, let's find a way to get everybody happy without ruffling too many feathers. But I don't think there's a way to do that. I think there's going to have to be some kind of clash. There's going to have to be some kind of battle uprising or something to, you know, fix the society because it's not fair the way it is. And people are those who didn't see it before are starting to see the cracks in the Commonwealth. The water's about to boil. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, does it have to be a full on civil war slash rebellion? Maybe if, you know, Mercer could like organize a union and make demands and, and negotiate. I'm like, that would 
not be a very good Walking Dead storyline. <laughs> <laughs> boring. <laughs> too boring. But I think in the real world, maybe that's what we would hope for, that they could change the rules of society without bloodshed, you know. But here, we're probably hoping for a big old battle. <laughs> I mean, historically, there's a lot of battles, too. Like, it doesn't, things don't change peacefully very easily in history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Revolutions. Bloody yeah. revolutions, I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like they could make, uh, you know, the the community of the Commonwealth into something that you know you would aspire it to be. I mean, I feel like they're they're trying to go backwards and make society the same, which probably makes a lot of people feel really comfortable. Uh, you know, instead of being outside of the walls and nearly starving and having to fight for everything that you have and, and, and in fear of things being taken away from you and dying and things like that. So you're in a safe environment, probably feels good for people to be in that environment. But to me, it just seems ridiculous to go back to the way way things were. Isn't there a way to take some of the, the good things of our what our society was and make it better? And, you know, the whole money thing gets me and the healthcare thing. Um as far as selecting who gets health care and who doesn't, you know, I feel like if they could move towards something like that peacefully and have a good um, bridge of the two, that that would be good. Of course, it's not going to be peaceful, I'm sure. It's hard to figure out, though. Like I, I ask listeners, if you have a good idea of what the society, a better way to organize it would be. Uh, write in and let us know. I haven't gotten any <laughs> emails so far, but uh, like if you want to, you have this huge 50,000 people group and you want to be able to have comforts and arts and, you know, um, ice cream, good medical care, ice cream. Yeah. Everything like that, which is, I, I would be down for that. Then you got to have people that specialize and then you have to have a military because if not, everyone is like that's the benefit of having a military is then other people can focus on other things, being a doctor, learning medicine. But then um, how do you compensate all these people? Do they all get the same, no matter how much they had to learn or how much work, you know, there's just all these questions that come up. And if you think, okay, everyone should be compensated exactly the same, no matter what they do, that's communism. And at least in our world, we haven't seen, that works so well, you know? So, uh, so what do you do? <laughs> People smarter so. than me can figure that out. It's not <laughs> yeah. going to, it's not going to be me. I don't claim to have the answers. It just seems ridiculous to me. Like, okay, so you've had the fall of society. Mm-hmm. Do we really want to go back to the way it was? In what way? Go back how? Like, like you the way would that rather the... not have ice cream in movie theaters and stuff? I don't like knowing that, you know, it's, I I don't like the inequality. I don't like that. I don't like how it's mm-hmm. not equal. That bothers. I don't know how to solve it. Like I said, it's up to people way yeah. smarter and experienced <laughs> than than I to figure out how to make that work and how to have like a good. Stru- I'm not. I don't have an issue with the structure of their society, and I think having the ice cream and having petting zoos and having some sort sort of normalcy, and yes, having a military or like a police or someone that can help protect this community you know, and, and keep it protected and people can focus on and, you know, their families and their lives and letting their children go to school and try to have some bit of normalcy. I, I think all of those are good things, but I, I don't like, you know, how people are being oppressed or, um, you know, not not being able to get. It's mostly that the 
you know, how, okay, well, you can't live in this house because you can't afford it, or you can't have these things because you can't afford it, or you can't get health care because either you're you're not a certain status in the community or you can't afford, you know, the health care. I think that's what bothers me the most. Yeah, I mean, I would be pretty pissed in the apocalypse. And I think, I think Rosita said it like an episode or two ago, like, I can't believe I have to worry about paying rent again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, pay, I can't imagine like spending so much time just trying to survive. And then all of a sudden you're back to the stress of paying bills. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's disheartening to watch. Yeah. And like the, and just like even the small things, like in this episode, uh, in the, um, one of the scenes with Mercer and Princess waking up to an alarm clock. I mean, what the fuck? Can we, that, that should be one of the benefits be of being in an apocalypse is no fucking alarm clocks. I mean. But I, I think, I think back in Alexandria, it's more of a socialist society or maybe even closer to communism. Everyone, has jobs but they're all pretty equal it seems like and there's no money or anything um but it's a smaller group so it's easier to maintain that like 50,000 people is a lot of people to maintain a i I think it is even in alexandria they don't show it it's a tv show but i think it would still be a hell of a lot of work for everyone to maintain that you know and you I don't think there would be a lot of relaxation. I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've never had to do it, but. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, you made a good point, like as far as, like, because everyone has to, um, at least if you're capable, have to be able to defend Alexandria, you know, mm-hmm. um, if, if you are physically capable and, you know, of, of a certain age, you're kind of expected to, the, if someone comes to stomp it's like at your in gates, Israel, you know? everyone has to join the army. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the little kids, Judith was out there training them, you know, to be little badasses. So, you know, I mean, like I said, there's some good and bad, but I mean, I don't know. I'd be like, I'll just go back to Alexandria over over all this, you know, screw that. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it does seem to be better vibes in Alexandria. I just don't know how realistic it would be if it actually happened, but Maybe. I mean, like I've said in previous episodes of this podcast, watching Walking Dead right now makes me curious if I could just like do a quantum leap into some other form of government for a while and try it out. It'd be interesting to see what it was like. And maybe I would be like, oh, yeah, this is better. Or no, this makes me appreciate what we had back in the US more, you know? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I don't have an answer, but. I mean, I guess I'm like, you're saying, I just want uh, to be everyone to be able to have all this stuff, but everyone be equal. And I just think that's easier said than done. You know, you can't agree. How do you do that? I I agree. I just that's that would be what I would wish. I mean, I wish it for our realistic world, (laughs) you know, that Mm. um, no poverty. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want I want it to be more equal uh, for everyone to, to have access to things. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, that that's my wish for, you know, it's like, why can't like if the world completely falls to shit and the apocalypse happened tomorrow, to me, it wouldn't make sense to like, well, let's just go back to the way it was. Let's try to find a way to to take what what was good and make it better for everyone. You know, um, that's how do how do we do that? I don't know. I'll I'll just 
I'll be a soldier. Just let me fight. And then y'all figure it. Let the brains and the, <laughs> the outfit figure it out. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of the book Animal Farm, where all the animals threw out the farmer and they said, okay, what what was the saying? We're all, everyone is equal or something like that. But then it slightly, it slowly shifted over to, or all animals are equal, but then it slowly shifted over. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And the <laughs> pigs kind of took over, right? And they ended up being the ruling masters. And it's just like, can human nature exist where everyone's just nice to each other and the wealth is spread around to everybody. I don't know. I I, I wish it could. That's I'm, why I want to I'm move to like Sweden or something. And see <laughs> I know. I'm like, I think I just want to go live in, in Sweden for a year, somewhere in the Netherlands for like a year and see. just check it out. I hear it's like, nice there. It might there. work if you're kind of born into it and don't have people, you know, don't see the haves and the have nots. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you've lived even in the Commonwealth and seen like, hey, these people have a better life. I deserve to have that better life. And then therefore people deserve to not like it just becomes too complicated. Like, I think, yeah, it has to be like Sweden where that's just the way it is. And that's the way everybody accepts it as being. And But I think I don't really know exactly how Sweden works, but I know from what I've read about communism in Russia that because people had no opportunity for any kind of advancement as far as wealth or social, that it, it was just a depress depression, you know, economic stagnation. And I think human nature, if you have some kind of an opportunity for, or a possibility for advancement, then you're more motivated to go out and do things in general, you know, not everyone's like that, but I don't know. I feel like we're we're talking about this for too long, though. <laughs> we probably are. <laughs> we're not, we're, there's no way the three of us are spinning. Figure it out. We're, we're trying to figure, figure out world's out. problems here on the podcast. <laughs> but I I just love that the Walking Dead's making me think about all this stuff right now. I think it's really cool. Oh, totally. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I think it's your turn, Rima. Okay. Well, I'd like to talk about Ezekiel as as well, but uh, more having to do with uh, his relationship with Carol or Ezekiel and Carol in this episode. I love seeing both of them on the screen together. I think... I, I really wish they found a way to kind of come back together. I know Carol kind of... Um, you know, blew that off uh, in in this episode, which totally bummed me out because I do love their relationship. They seem to have such an easy relationship when they were together. They have a good, um, you know, back and forth with each other. And I love to see that Carol still cares for Ezekiel, you know, the things that she went through for him to help get him the care that he needed and get him the surgery. And now he seems to be thriving, which I love. Um, but I, I do love to see both of them in that conversation that they had together when when he, he looked at Carol and told her that she makes the light. Oh, God. <laughs> I just thought that was the sweetest thing. It 
mm-hmm. she totally brought tears to my eyes. I thought it was just the sweetest thing. And Carol's like, oh, we're not getting back together, you know. Um, <laughs> I was like, damn it, Carol. <laughs> let me have my moment. And then he said, you always say that. I know. Which, um, I think the way that was written, he could have been, it could, he could, Payton could have read it like, you always say that. But he said, you always say that like, but I think you know, maybe different. I think he's thinking, well, you always say that, but one of these days I'm going to wear you down, Yeah, you know, Um, which I'm, I would be totally down for if he, you know, um, if if they keep having moments like that and maybe they are, or they are able to find a way to come together. I just really enjoy seeing them together. I think it's lovely. I think it's lovely that they can still be friends after they had their long relationship and they do still care for each other and they can have those conversations. And God, Ezekiel just knows her so well. Um, so I, I really like their dynamic and I like, you know, kind of what they've got going on the side. I'm curious though, you know, what Carol's got going on. Cause it's like, she's practically running the Commonwealth. It seems already, you know, and these, you know, how she's been patient, um, with this whole thing with, with Hornsby that she's got going on and, you know, uh, how that's going to come about like like said this whole pot of boiling water i think is just getting ready to to like really boil over here and so how is that going to come come into part um i really liked seeing ezekiel's efforts with this underground hospital and i think it totally fit with um ezekiel's character which i love to see kind of come back around a little bit there was uh this phrase that he kind of lived by and i think he told uh, Rick and his group uh, kind of this is how he kind of runs the kingdom was this phrase that he had uh, used was drink from the well replenish the well uh, and and so it totally I think fits his character uh, to kind of go back to these beliefs that he has uh, you know when we when we first met him and it was always kind of about you know pulling your own weight and you know that's and maybe it was Carolyn Morgan. Sorry, because I think were they the first ones that kind of encountered him? Um, but you know, he told them he's like, you know, yep. you take from the well, but you replenish the well. Take what you need, but you have a responsibility to give back to the community. And you know, that's what I think. And he feels like he owes a debt because he got that free surgery. I think absolutely, yeah. And he was worried about people below him on the list not getting treatment because he jumped the line. So now he's gonna and yeah, do back. what he can yeah. to help the people. That, that need it because, you know, yeah, this person ha- needs an appendectomy, which I think in a lot of cases can be pretty serious and be considered emergent. So why are they having to be on a list? Now, I know that there can be some like you can until it bursts, you can kind of live with appendicitis um, and, and not that long. Not I mean, that it's long. Gonna burst. Yeah, it's yeah. going to it's it's probably going to happen. I think you can kind of just be in this kind of limbo kind of period where you're like, oh, I hope it doesn't burst, you know, um, but until then. You know, um, so yeah, I I love that. I think it holds true to his character. I think Carol's definitely still holding true to her character, and I love seeing that interaction between them and how it's going to play out. You know, when when it does uh, bubble over, but yeah, I love that about Ezekiel. He's he's one of my favorite characters. Um, so I, I love that. You know, it, it, they've kind of stayed true to who who he is and his core person, and mm-hmm. the person that um, I, I forget her name that needed the appendectomy. Um, has was someone from the kingdom that Ezekiel had a relationship with, or sorry, not a relationship, but sorry, just because she was a member of the kingdom, and she was oh. one of the few survivors of the kingdom. Um, and I didn't realize that. yeah, so I, I I like that that um it was someone that he has a connection with from his his previous life, and you know. so now she's getting privileges. 
Because of her connections. Okay. Uh, I see the way it is. Well, he even happens with the good her people. right up to the top of the list. Yeah. Yep. So, yep, that, that was, you know, my last point was just Carol and Ezekiel. I just, I love seeing them, you know, together and, you know, also there are separate activities as well going on here in the Commonwealth, how that's going to play out. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that whole sequence with them at the end where he's talking about, she's mentioning, she's really stressed out because of everything she heard uh, Lance say last week. Mm-hmm. And he's just, they're totally not in the same headspace because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's really proud of what he's doing. And and so she's thinking about all the darkness over the years, but you're glowing, she said to him. And then he said, we make the light. You make the light, Carol. You know that, don't you? And I love that because I think that, um, you know, I mean, you need time to feel everything and you need to give yourself permission to grieve or to process and all that. But in general, I think in life that we need to like keep that, not let that inner light go out, you know, and not, and be, try to focus more on good things and like, whatever you focus on is really what your life is going to be all about. So I've always believed in balance. If something needs to be fixing, you got to pay attention to it, you know, and you don't like push down the negative emotions, but in general, just like if you want to have a fun, happy life, then you have to kind of make that for yourself. And that's kind of what, what he's saying or, or, uh, be good, be a good person and all that. You just kind of have to do that yourself. It's not just going to happen. So, Anyway, I, I'm not sure if that's exactly what he was getting at, but that's what I got out of it. And I really thought it was cool. And yeah, I love the two of them together. And I love that they, I think he does want to get back together with her and she's not into it, but no matter what happens, they're both going to love each other. And, uh, I love that. Like, I just think it's great when people who've been in a relationship like that, like you said, Rima can still love each other like that and want to be around each other, even if it's not going to work out for them to be in a relationship together. I wish Carol would go back with him, but there's the whole Daryl Carroll thing that pretty much, I mean, I don't think they're going to announce a surprise that Eugene's going to be there too. I mean, no. <laughs> Eugene, that'd be weird. Well, <laughs> he does deal. like to watch, but son, be cut off in this. <laughs> All right. Eugene and Ezekiel. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's my turn, right? So it was touching couple moments which we've talked a lot about uh i like the <laughs> princess is oversharing in bed like she overshares everyone else that was great sex and i should know i've had a lot of sex, a lot of sex. <laughs> but then but then she's uh, she started to backpedal but then she's like no 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 we're adults i've I, i've had a lot of sex so have you and mercer's like i love listening to you talk so that was a nice i thought that was it sweet it's like he knows her and really got her like i love listening to you talk that was just this really <laughs> sweet thing to say right and yeah. if he'd said anything else it would have been bad news for him as far as having fans in the audience so good job mercer <laughs> yeah no that was super sweet though and yeah. again like just proving that they're they're a good couple and that just mm-hmm. hit it just right like her mm-hmm. still being herself and him loving her for that or you know mm-hmm. yeah but then they're they're still new and they are figuring out whether they can trust each other and as mercer said 
he's had a lot of sex, but this is new for me, meaning like a serious relationship where I actually care about the person. So he had, he's still got a wall up. He, he wouldn't tell her that something was actually wrong and she didn't press it. And she ended up turning her back to him and feeling sad. And there was this sad moment of disconnection. And I, I, I was like, Oh, that's too bad, but it's so real. You know, yeah. it's such a thing that really happens. And then he did end up opening up to her later. So that was nice that they, put that off a little bit. Cause that feels real that you don't just automatically do it. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I just love how they played that relation, like that start of the relationship. It, it just felt so real. It hit every beat just right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was all, everything with Carol and Ezekiel, which I feel like we've already talked about, but I, I loved all that. And then Eugene and Max at the end where she, at first he told her what was going on and she's like, I, I don't want to, deal with that and then um she goes straight to mercer and tries to get him to deal with it (laughs) and then he seemed to put the kibosh on it although he's starting to come around later but as far as max is concerned he said no so i think that's when she realized okay i'm gonna have to do something myself goes back to eugene and expresses that she can't ignore what she knows about what happened and even though she's scared and it's out of her comfort zone that she wants to help and then he goes I can promise you this, whatever we find, whatever comes our way, you will not face it alone. I'll be by your side, hell or high water. What else do you want to hear from your partner? You know, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, Eugene's come a long way and he's, you know, I've definitely warmed up to Eugene over the years and he definitely cleans up nice than when, you know, we saw him with a jar of pickles. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was really sweet. Just the couples, the uh, Max and Eugene, Carol and Ezekiel, such as they are, and um, Princess and Mercer. I think that was what felt like the spine of this episode to me and what made me like it a little more than I would have if that had none of that had been there. Completely agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. And it's interesting because back in the early days of The Walking Dead – there were only couples that predated the apocalypse. It wasn't about finding someone new ever because the situation was so dire that it would just seem crazy to try to stick romance in there. I mean, um, Andrea and Shane hooked up, but that was more felt like yeah, just, just like a, a hook up. need kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's just <laughs> serving a purpose. Whenever there was any hint of, well, I guess, I guess there was Maggie and Glenn too. I, I guess I could be wrong about that, but it just seemed like it's become more of a romantic show as time as they've gotten used to the, situation you know yeah they've done a good job with that i feel like they really have they really have i feel like most uh gosh if i really went back and thought about it i could probably find one or two that maybe didn't feel all that great Mm -hmm. but i mean i feel like for the most part a lot of the couples um feel fairly genuine abraham and sasha was weird oh yeah that felt a little like i just i didn't buy the chemistry like when you yeah, when you look at some of the other with Rosita and yeah. Sasha with with Bob, yeah. But um, I like I... Rick and Michonne a lot. It took me a while to warm up to Rick and Michonne, but only because I'm a comic reader. And that at mm. first, I was like, "No, this is not how this goes." <laughs> yep. Spoiler: Rick and Andrea. That's where it's at <laughs> <laughs> in the comics. Okay, uh, I have more points. I. But do you guys have more? Jamie, do you have more? I, we had zombies. 
Yeah. <laughs> we had good zombie kills. In a zombie show? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's been a minute since we've had some really good zombie kills. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. brief, but like Aaron, Ezekiel, and Daryl taking out that small little pack and like, you know, the punch out and the mm-hmm. flood and then the yeah. slice, you know, the, and the half the head falling off. Like, that was mm-hmm. what I watched The Walking Dead for. So we got that. And that was really. And then Daryl hit one with the butt of his gun and then poked the other one like in the face i guess yes. and steered it around so he could shoot, shoot both the of them with one. one bullet Ugh. yeah and then yeah. that was done so well the music yeah right? mm-hmm. and then he kicks the head over at him yeah flourish at the end the music was and um it was super badass that's what i was going to say at the top but i cut myself off that that was a favorite moment of this episode for sure yeah i'm always appreciative of a good zombie kill um Love that zombie kill of the week. And I and I love seeing our group in action. It's just what they do. It's just what they're so good at. And I swear, it's like mm. Hornsby has no idea what our group is capable of. He has no <laughs> idea what they've been through and what they've seen. Um, and, you know, like trying to put them in this dangerous situation and, you know, like, yeah, they got this. Um, what do you think he was doing? I mean, I think it was kind of what you're saying, Jamie, just exert your power over mm-hmm. people. But the way he phrased it was, well, you know, you said you, you could handle yourselves. And, uh, so maybe it was just to see if Aaron and Gabriel were telling the truth, but I also felt like he, he was kind of disappointed. They didn't die. Or at least get into some trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was disappointed yeah. they did handle it so well. I mean, yeah. I was never at all scared for them. Like I saw that, mm-hmm. I saw the zombie, and I go, "They got this." No. Yeah, I was. <laughs> the zombies look nice and creepy, though. But yeah, yeah, not 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 scared for one second. Nope, <laughs> I knew they had it. Do you have any more, Rima? Oh, um, well, you know, ugh, Leah. Ugh. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's I I just feel so irritated that she's back and that they decided to bring her back i feel like it's and i feel like her whole like she seems instead of just shooting them when they're approaching her camp because she's supposed to be all badass this this super deadly assassin badass right um mercenary yeah and then she like okay i'll not shoot you and listen to what you have to say um just seems more narrative driven instead of actually true to her character that we're that we've been presented with and it that kind of bugs me um and she got their people killed so let's go offer her a job or you know you, you're the one that stole the guns let's go offer you a job um mm-hmm. it, you know it's just that that part for me was kind of hard to believe that you know hornsby like would lance let aaron and gabriel go he let daryl go after he pointed a gun at him and told told him he was going to kill him and now he's offering leah a job i guess that's what how he does it yeah. All right. I have a point about um, just Max and Mercer's changing attitudes. We saw Mercer kill those two soldiers, and I thought in that moment, oh, he's ready for action. But it turns out, no, he he covered that up, and he's still sort of back to business as usual. And that's because he's kind of resigned to things the way they are, saying to Max, ain't none of this shit new. People hurt each other. People kill each other. It happens all the time. It's part of the job. And he feels trapped because even if he did go after Sebastian or something, then he'll be in trouble. And then if he disappears, then he says, who will keep this place running? So he feels a responsibility to 
he he want he's wants to keep people safe. That's what he mm-hmm. said later to um, Princess too. I'm, I've always been a person who keeps people safe, and he knows that shaking up the apple cart could put people in danger and probably would. I like that about him. He seems honorable. Yeah, but he's being pushed to a point where it's too much. Like people are getting hurt if he doesn't do anything. So, and um, Max is encouraging him to do more. And she's telling him the community listens to you and looks up to you. And you could be more than a soldier and you could change this place. And we saw when he was walking the red carpet that he was treated like a celebrity. So I knew that was going to play into something like this. Shoot, he's got his own poster. Did you see that? Uh, on the wall? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, Eugene went to mas- Max to ask him to help find out what's going on. And she got anxious. And then that, like, flower plant delivery guy came and she left and it kind of quickly. But then she went straight to Mercer. And I think um, she was looking up to him like a big brother. Like, can you handle this? And as far as uh, she knew, he was a big no to that. So then she went back to Eugene and had that scene we talked about before where she kind of changed her mind. You know, maybe I'm not built for this, but I don't think I have a choice. And so I thought maybe because Mercer turned her down that then she was like, all right, I got to take some responsibility, but they're both in a similar spot. They have security and rebelling would be out of their comfort zone and dangerous, but they feel compelled to do something because of the injustice that's happening. So, uh, now, you know, like all of our people seem fed up, like you were saying earlier, Rima. And so now we have like two of the major characters that were already in the Commonwealth, uh, Mercer and Max who are pretty fed up and they're up they're close to the leaders so um let's get this rebellion going come on totally and and i mean actually i've read some comments about next week's episode and people don't seem that satisfied to be honest but um oh, no like what is the first they have to find out exactly what's going on you know there's like investigating what's going on so I feel like that's what's going to happen next episode. It's going to be more about that. I don't know. Oh, bummer. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it has to be, it has to be invested. Like there can't be some big thing. Like it's got to be a setup for the last eight. It can't be anything super satisfactory or anything. Next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I feel like, yeah, we're going to definitely be probably left with a lot of questions, maybe a cliffhanger. And that's okay. It's, mm-hmm. We know we've got yeah, more. Cliffhanger's fine. It's mid season finale. We've had plenty mm-hmm. that, that do that. That's okay. Yeah. It's not, it's <laughs> not going to be Glenn under a dumpster, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I know I'm trying to talk myself into liking Mercer it. Mercer won't fit. Yeah. <laughs> dumpster, so no, Dude, that better be one hell of a dumpster. Jeez. <laughs> that dude is ripped. All right, let's get in some notes. What do you got, Jamie? Anything? Um, it was really cute seeing Judith and RJ going to school and looking like normal little kids. Like Judith looked so much younger. Like she mm-hmm. just yeah. like it was just kind of a sweet little thing to see them get to be normal kids. Do you know Kaylee Fleming's what was she? Fourteen? Is she that old? It, it's uh, yeah, she said it. We did the panel with her a couple weeks ago at, at pandemic taking rima yeah yeah and and she said that i almost fell out of my chair because i was like because she's still you know she's a petite young lady and so she she still looks a lot younger than so yeah she's almost 15 and i i was just like 
<laughs> Anything else, Jamie? There's only one other little thing um, that just kind of hit me in the feels was Herschel at his dad's grave when mm. Hornsby showed up. Like I was, it, and for some reason it didn't click in the first watch. It was the second watch. I'm like, oh my god, that he's sitting talking to his dad. I didn't even oh, notice that. Yeah, until you just said it. He's a That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jeez. Glenn's there at Hilltop, and then Lance, I, th- you know happened to have picked up this hat which is glenn's hat yep mm-hmm. it's his dad's hat and cleverly i think he was putting it on him just to see if it would fit which at first i thought oh this is very clever he's trying to see if you know there's a connection between this apartment complex and maggie and her people but then i'm like okay you found a kid's hat like how do you know it wasn't the hat of somebody at this apartment complex, like presumably they had kids there. And then if you took it to Hilltop, why would you think it was this one kids? There's other kids at Hilltop. And also if it happened to fit him, he goes, what are the odds? I'm like, yeah, pretty good. Like (laughs) Like kids have kids kid. What a shock. (laughs) So it wasn't that clever, but it was nice to see Glenn's hat again. (laughs) It was nice to see the hat, but it was a little weird enforced but yeah when he was sitting there i'm like oh my god he's talking to his dad he's probably apologizing for not killing the bad man who killed him like (laughs) yeah yeah. that would have been an interesting conversation to hear i wish uh steven young would come on and just do like a some kind of a surreal you know dream scene or something like that well this is there even a picture of him around that herschel would know what his dad looks like there used to be that painting yeah at hilltop but is that still around like did that survive anything know. well because there yeah. was the fire right and right yeah probably not huh i don't know like, how awful is that like not having pictures yeah i mean speaking as a guy myself who never met his own father well until like a few years ago it's not like you're pining for your father it's just like oh it's just your life you know like i think it would be that whole thing with um Herschel facing off against um, Negan last episode, I loved, but I also kind of had the thought like the one who really needs to reconcile with Negan is Maggie. She's the one who had the the biggest loss. Glenn, I mean, Herschel just, you know, she had, he had Maggie and that was fine. That's how I felt about my mom when I was a kid. (laughs) But maybe that's just me. Well, yeah, but I think Maggie's also she's holding such a grudge. She probably put that a little bit on him. Like the bad man took your daddy away. Like, so it's not like he's like, ah, that's just what it is. Like he's been told that somebody took his father away from him. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. his father made a choice to leave. His father was taken away. I do feel there was probably a little bit of projection from Maggie onto Herschel. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. your father died before you were born. And Yes, the bad man took him away and kind of left it at that. I bet there was probably a little bit of projection. Sure. I'm just like, for, from my own experience, it, didn't, it doesn't feel like a loss when you've never met the person. You know, it's not like you were six years old and your father died or was killed and you got to know and love yeah. him first if they were just never there. But still, yes, of course, if you met the man who murdered your father that you never met, you probably wouldn't like him. <laughs> totally. Because then you do have to think about, well, I, I could have had a father in my life if not for you. And I'm sure that Maggie loved Herschel yeah. and well, and still does, of course. But I mean, like has has loved him so much that 
he maybe hasn't felt the loss and that's all he knows is a mother, but also community. I mean, we see so much in The Walking Dead. It's not just the parents that raise these kids. It's the whole community. And I feel Maggie, yeah. I think, probably had the same, you know, in different parts of her life, you know, uh, with with the communities after she had left um, our group anyway and af- after she had left the hilltop. Um, so, I mean, you know, maybe he didn't feel the loss as greatly as what Maggie did because she actually had a life with Glenn. Judith is like, hey, at least your parents are still here. Yeah. Nice her parents off. abandoned her. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. both of them. <laughs> yeah. I feel Judith is the one I really do feel for. Now, I know that they they think that Rick is dead. We know otherwise. And they think that. But she did. Yeah. For a time, have Rick in her life. And then Michonne just decides to leave, which still just irks the shit out of me. And, you know, RJ, too. So <laughs> she might not know Rick because. She it's hard. It's well. It's hard to know when you have your first yeah. memories and stuff. Um, you know, as a as a toddler, but you know, still shown for sure. Shown for sure. That that's rough. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any notes? N- not I. We have talked all my notes. Okay. Let's see. Um, I like that Ezekiel's clinic was a disguised veterinary treatment center. That's clever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw that appendectomy and you see the gore of the surgery. And I'm like, before the walking dead, they wouldn't show this kind of gore on TV too much. But now because of the walking dead, you can show it. We've seen much worse on the walking dead, but because it's a surgery and it's a different context, it might seem worse because it seems more real, you know, to be poking around inside somebody's body like that. Mm-hmm. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch but, uh, the after stuff with Angela Kang? I can't remember. I think I did about a week ago, but I forgot. Oh, yeah. yeah the, they said about the, the director. The director right? was, yeah. Uh, she was a longtime um, actress on ER, which I love ER. It's one of my most like all-time favorite shows ever. I remember her fondly uh, from that I- show, so... You know, Same. I, when they, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. So when they, when they showed her, I didn't know her name, to be honest, as an actress, I just remember her character in the show, but when they showed her that scene of her, I was like, oh my God, yes, I remember her. So she, she's like <laughs> the perfect person to be directing a, a medical type procedure there on the show. Cause she went through I'm sure thousands of them on ER. Love that show. I'm excited that Anthony Edwards is going to be a guest star on Tales of the Walking Dead. I love him. Yeah. Good old Mark Green. Oh, I love Mark Green. Oh, God, don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm looking through. I think we've pretty much covered everything else. So that was great. Let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. numbers of citizens the people he kills get up and kill are they slow moving chief yeah they're dead they're 
All messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. That soundbite never gets old. I love it so much. <laughs> I was kind of excited to hear it live. <laughs> I know. It's so great. All right. A couple news items this week. Uh, one comes from Insider.com. It's um, a couple of things from an interview they had with Paola Lozara, who, of course, plays Princess. So wonderfully, I might add. Um, one of the things that they talked to her about was um, she was actually at the Fandemic convention that Jason and I had kind of mentioned um, previously in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. So they were asking her about that. They said, you know, was that your first con experience like since the pandemic and what was that like? And she said it was her fourth in-person con, um, but, you know, her character had was introduced at the height of COVID. So, you know, she was kind of talking about that experience and she said that she had done some virtual cons during the height of the pandemic but this was her fourth in person she said it was really awesome she says i just have a blast and i'm my clownish self and everybody's laughing i'm laughing with them and i'm exhausted and i'm having a great time getting to know everybody <laughs> she said i think the biggest thing that i'm going to take away from this show is the fact that my character speaks about mental health and going through trauma and ptsd and anxiety and depression and a in ADHD. She said, when I go to conventions, I have people come up to me and thank me for the character. I'm so thankful that I get to play a character that speaks on that. And I thought that was, and she was point. so great at the convention. She had her big pink fur vest on or whatever mm -hmm. jacket. And er there was always a line of people and they were always laughing. Yes. Every time I walked by, I, I, I'm bummed I didn't get a chance to have um, a picture with her or get Me to too. meet her. She's, we done it. I know there was so much going on and you always think, oh, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then later comes in and you don't get to it. But she did always have a very long line and I was so happy for her. And, and you're right. Every time I walked by, there was always she was smiling. The people were smiling. They were having a great time. Yeah. Um, so they, they ask a little bit about the relationship between her and Mercer. They said, how would you describe their relationship? Are they officially a couple? Are they kind of keeping their relationship on the down low? Uh, we don't see them going out in public holding hands or anything, but they were at the ball together. And she responds uh, by saying, I think they're still getting to know each other. So I think both of them are kind of scared to say, hey, I want to be with you. I think they're nervous because it's been a while since either of them probably is connected with someone on that level. She says it's so scary to get back into that and to be transparent about your feelings. But I think they're getting closer to that definitely after this episode. I mean, yeah, she had been, she hadn't even seen a real person for a year before oh, yeah. Eugene and them came along. Totally. Yeah. So isolating. Mm -hmm. um, and then they say, well, there's this sweet small moment between you guys where Princess hears Mercer say that he likes to hear her talk. And I felt that that was a moment that likely made her feel seen. Um, she says, I think it's very sweet because Princess is one of the few characters on this show that speaks a lot. I think Negan, Ezekiel, and Princess usually go on and on in a very detailed way. It's not just whatever. It's very well crafted by the writers. To have his acceptance in her expressing her mind and how she feels is the ultimate acceptance that she's been seeking, especially when you can find it in a romantic partner. That's just such a joy when somebody gets you and you can just be yourself in front of them. That was the perfect thing for him to say because she's a talker. Yeah. And you want someone who likes to hear it. <laughs> um, he's not a talker, so they're good complimentary. Yeah. It's so sweet. I, I love that. Yeah, totally. I, I relate to that. I, I talk and sometimes just don't <laughs> shut up. So if someone can actually appreciate that, then score. Uh, so. 
Same. Uh, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so next item I have comes from entertainmentweekly.com. This was from an interview with Angela Kang, our showrunner. Uh, so they ask, you know, in this episode, we see Max and Mercer and Tommy all either breaking the rules or talking about having broken the rules or talking about breaking the rules in the future. How much is the foundation of the community starting to shake a bit here? And how responsible are the folks from Alexandria in terms of setting that in motion? She says, I think that there are some things starting to crack. And the way that we looked at the story is that whatever we bring the heroes that we've been following for a long time into a new community, we ask ourselves, what changes as a result of them coming? Because by bringing a new element into an ecosystem, the ecosystem is going to change as a result. So what they come into is a system where there's a lot of unhappiness. Just the fact that Max was calling people on the radio trying to connect and was willing to run away at first, that tells you something about her state of mind. The fact that you never know, quite know where Mercer stands a lot of the time, that tells you something. The fact that there was a soldier who came and said, there's thousands like me that are unhappy with the system, that tells you something. But a lot of times it takes something to push people into further action beyond just the feeling of like, I'm discontented. So our heroes coming into the situation, suddenly a bunch of dynamics have shifted. And you're also seeing people who are used to living more free and have survived all these years, just like everybody in the Commonwealth. And the Commonwealth's sell to everybody has been, well, certain things work a certain way. But look, you all get to live and this is the only way that people survive. So when you don't have any perspective beyond that, it's really easy to go, well, if we change anything, then maybe it does all fall apart. So when people come in and say, actually, actually, we've made it this long and we didn't live like this, then that does start to change perspectives. That's not to say that the people of the Commonwealth don't have their own agency, but they are being affected by our heroes and our heroes are being affected by them. I mean, any community that our heroes come into. <laughs> We've seen a pattern. If 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 you've paid attention <laughs> throughout the years, what tends to happen? I don't know. <laughs> it's not safe to invite these people that in. Is interesting, yeah. for, <laughs> for people who've been living there and maybe not that satisfied, but being just like, this is just the way it is, kind of like Mercer was this episode, to then see our characters who've been out on their own this whole time and think oh maybe maybe there's another yeah, way exactly I, f I feel like um ever like rick and the whole group should have like posters up on the walls of of communities like don't let these people in don't let these people in like <laughs> things things get all messed up <laughs> <laughs> dangerous yeah. exactly. if you see this person call nine um Okay, last item, and I save this for last because I'm not sure. Um, I'm hoping I can even say the words without getting like super emotional. Um, but in case you haven't seen the news, uh, The Walking Dead um, <clears throat> wrapped their filming um, after 12 years um, on March 31st. So um, just a handful of days ago, uh, the series... Wrapped, wrapped their filming as of that day. There Fucky, were... fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> Very appropriate. Just leave yep. it at that. Um, so, yeah, there was, you know, you can see a lot of uh, cast reactions to that and things that they had to say. And, um, you know, that was, you know, I know we've got more episodes to come. You know, we're, we're going to get to see the, the result of that. But it was just, you know, definitely some feelings there involved. So, oh, shit. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> so I don't know. It was, I know, pretty difficult for me, but I'm I'm curious and, and would love to kind of get y'all's thoughts. 
I've been following the Instagram posts of a lot of the actors of the last day. And every time it just uh, gets me right in the feels like it just, I mean, this show has been such an important part of my life. And just to know that it's over, even though it's not, it's not over for me, but it's over. Mm -hmm. It, it feels weird. Yep. It's sad. Sucks. (laughs) I saw Norman Reedus was like, Oh, he was that one where he's hugging, um, Greg Nicotero. Mm -hmm. It was the last day of filming. And he's like, Greg's like, what are you going to do after this? And he's like, I'm going to be curled up on my floor with a martini or something like that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Crying. Um, but dude, you got the spinoff. What are you talking about? You'll be fine. Yeah, it's not the same. Well, <laughs> no, it's not I actually, different cast, I actually different forwarded crew. that one to my friend. He was saying, it was almost like, because he was like, who's going to, How? where am I going to eat? And who's going to, I forget what else it was, but it sounds like he's got a lot of people doing stuff for him while he's on this show, like doing his laundry or something. But um, anyway, yeah, I imagine it must be pretty, uh, it's got to be, I mean, just every. You know, it's like when high school's over or I don't know, you leave a job. It's even more intense, though, especially for someone like Norman Reedus, who's been doing it for 12 years. Yeah. It's got to be a big emotional moment. Yeah, I I felt I felt sad. I mean, I. I always think that uh, it is the right time for the show to be wrapping up for sure, but doesn't mean it's not sad when you find out that it's the last day of filming. You know, I, I, I wouldn't want them to keep dragging it out more, but it's still, God, it's such a, it started off this whole podcasting thing for me personally, which has been my whole life for the last 12 years. And we've expanded out to all these other shows, but the walking dead is the most special for sure. So, uh, that's going to be over and that's, it's interesting. It's, it's an, it's the end of an era. And I, I thought I always try to appreciate whatever time I'm in for what's special about it. Cause you know, you often look back and go, man, we really had a great time then, but I want to like really appreciate it while it's going on. And I have so much, all the good things that have come because of podcasting about this show, but uh, I know that no matter what happens, I'm going to look back on all of it so fondly. Everything with The Walking Dead. It's a good 12 years, too. That's a long time. So it's not like it's taken from us too soon or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's good. Yep. Good Even thoughts. though it's sad, I feel I feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It hit me harder than what I thought it would. I mean, we knew it was coming, mm-hmm. but it was like, oh, oh, sting, that ouch. Yeah, wasn't. <laughs> yeah, just to think they're not out there making it anymore of it. Yeah, so. They're done. So, yeah. But guys, we'll always have fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't, boy. it feels wrong to me that fear's still going on. Right? All like, at least cancel wrong. it. And fear out of respect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just- Stop. And 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 Dickens is going back on there. God. I love her, uh, but even she can't save it. I'm sorry. I'm like, did you you didn't watch any of this, did you? <laughs> <When> you <were laughs> gone. 
<laughs> How much are they paying you? I was going to say, they had have sent a wheelbarrow full of money to mm-hmm. her house. That's all I'm saying. And good for her. Make that money, girl. But damn. Anyway, <laughs> that is all the news items I have for this week. All right. That's great. Let's move on to Lister Moans, Groans, and Grunts. Uh- Jamie, you want to go first? All right. Alma Contreras, good episode. We finally got to that six months later scene from the episode nine. I knew there was no way in hell Daryl would go up against Maggie, the way they made it seem. Yep. Hornsby starting to get more unhinged by the minute. I think he's starting to see that our people are more than capable of handling themselves, and they really don't need the Commonwealth military force. I didn't realize that Riverbend was so close to Hilltop. Oh, snap. Hornsby going to cut a deal with the freaking Leah? angry emoji puking emoji emoji. (laughs) i wonder what job he needs for her maybe to take out maggie and or gabe and aaron oof shit is about to go down and i am here for it (laughs) i wonder if he knows because he was looking for the killers not the weapons and um daryl i mean yeah daryl and aaron and gabriel said they were going to go look for the guns to try to placate lance but he found he didn't find the killers. Well, the ones he was looking for, he found the woman that has all the weapons. I wonder if he even realizes that yet, or it, maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe he just saw, Oh, she's badass. I, I could use her. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Wyman Owen says, wow, this episode was so good with lots going on everywhere. couple points from me. I trust that Mercer and princess were made for each other. I trust that Lance is a piece of shit. I trust that seeing Carol and the King get time together was awesome. Max and Eugene were cute this episode. And don't keep pissing Maggie off. She's liable to hang you from the rafters. (laughs) Great episode. Should be a nice lead into the part two finale. And giving Daryl the F-bomb was great. (laughs) See, I have a witness. That was a good one, Lyman. (laughs) I trust that Daryl said the F-bomb. I just want to know the exact... Thing he said i'll have to go look it up later yeah I'm brad sampson too. says that was an intense episode daryl throwing out that rare f-bomb ezekiel using his second chance to help others get help princess getting some from mercer <laughs> getting some maggie and hornsby at each other's throats the scene with hornsby gabriel and aaron on the rooftop was hilarious i still want to know what carol has up her sleeve i don't think even she knows yet ashley edward wolf oh my god omg daryl dropped an f-bomb I guess Jason and I were the only ones who didn't notice. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I could feel the intensity and worry of Daryl and Maggie while Lance was looking over the truck. It was so, it was all so good. Oh my God. Princess and Mercer. Heart. That's all. Just OMG. (laughs) Mercer will be the new governor of the Commonwealth by the end. That's my prediction. And he Mm -hmm. would make a damn fine governor. Winky face. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for Maggie to end Leah. I can't wait. I hope she ends her in episode 16. Please don't carry that bitch into the C block episodes. I know. Please. Yes, please. Please. Another great episode. The Walking Dead crew is killing it this season. Great storytelling, great writing, and exceptional acting. (laughs) That's awesome. That reminds me, I was thinking, you know, while. Mercer is talking to his sister. He's also pumping iron and building up a sweat and everything. And I was like, I bet Lucy doesn't hear a word he's saying right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was hard to pay attention, and it, I respected the fact that he wasn't willing to, you know, while he's having this Break serious conversation, that he's keeping those reps in. <laughs> Good dedication, my man. Dublino uh, Bob Grippy says, when Elijah grabbed him and put him up against the wall, best part. Mercer and Princess, sexy beast couple. So Carol is now an agent for the secret police. Um, I don't really buy that Ezekiel would have his tumor removed um, and only walked around with such a little graze on his neck. It wasn't a pimple. <laughs> There's a big bandage <laughs> on there. Yeah. Um, good idea, bad idea. Uh, good idea, cover up what actually happened. Bad idea, get questioned by Lance on the rooftop right in front of the part where people were just thrown off, similar to the messenger and Leonidas situation. This is Sparta. Um, sorry. Anyone else notice uh, my man Carlson was the first face shown at the beginning of the entire episode? Notice that on my second mm-hmm. watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jason pointed that out. What did that key open that was hanging from the hilltop car rearview mirror? Purple burglar alarm. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Nils Cordis says, I want to like those episodes but for me it's still a bunch of subpar thrillers this time a conspiracy with everyone at hilltop acting like they're in fear the walking dead the ezekiel bits were great that's an earned conflict him talking with carol was among the best the show's been all season i just don't dig the heavily plotted drama of the best it is more heavily plotted lately and that's goes to something I've said all along with this series that I feel like it's hard to do intricate plots in the zombie apocalypse because you don't have all the intricacies of society to play with. But now that they do, the the writers are really going crazy with it. So it feels different for sure. But Nils thinks that it's not as good as, um, or what do you say, subpar thrillers. Mm -hmm. Janet Seidel. I thought it was a great episode, although I did an actual eye roll when Hornsby, who was in fact awful, offered Leah a job. (laughs) Gary J. Hewitt says, clearly from the title, this episode is all about trust. Trust in past friends and trust in strangers. I'm putting trust in the writers to quickly kill off Leah and not forget about Dog. Seriously, where is Dog? (laughs) I was wondering. That's the important question. He's with Luke somewhere. Barry Evett says, Ugh, Hornsby makes me sick. I was so glad that Herschel didn't fall for his veiled threats. Way to go, Herschel. And I was ecstatic to see Daryl come to his senses and choose the right side. Unfortunately, I know this isn't yet settled between Hornsby and Hilltop. This is such a good season of The Walking Dead. Rita Catalina Oral, I know whenever I want to make a major confession, I always do it in a hallway where anyone could overhear. What is that about? Um, Mercer and, uh, princess when he was saying, oh. Hey, I killed my, like they, I, I did kind of notice that they were yeah. outside of the apartment. Cause she's like, well, let's go inside to figure it out. Now that we've told everyone <laughs> yeah, what's going on not inside. <laughs> That's funny. Steve Barr says Hornsby wanted to be Maggie's friend. Odds are he'll die screaming by her hand. Yeah. Probably. I feel like. I feel like Hornsby's not going to make it to the end. He's not going to, I don't think, have a pleasant end at all. <laughs> Could be wrong. We'll see. Megan Dively Layman says, random thought about the Commonwealth's reintroduction of money to power the post-ZA economy. I'm surprised nobody has invented their own currency yet. It would, would have been totally on brand to have Negan Bucks printed up 
with his big cheesy grin to use for buying jerky and cigs in the sanctuary. <laughs> did they have, did they have any kind of money? I can't remember. Maybe not. I don't, I don't, they, didn't they, I don't know if it was money, but they seemed to have like a market there yeah, they at had the sanctuary, like, but was it currency or did they trade or? I think they did have some kind of uh, tokens or s- something. Yeah, because, I, I mean, that's how he got a lot of his wives was because their real husbands needed something. Yeah. I don't remember. That was a while ago. <laughs> uh, Johnny Stower. I'm more and more sure we are getting faked out. What happened to Redacted in the comics, I'm sure, is what's going to happen to Daryl now. The spinoff shows are a fake to throw us off. No, no, no. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't agree with any of that. I mean, a lot of people are saying that, and um, I think it'd be awesome. But um, I don't think AMC would say, guess what, everybody? We're doing shows about your favorite character. Uh, just kidding. We're not. Well, I mean, that's what's happening with the movies, right? Yeah, but they're not doing that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look how the fans are reacting to that. We're pissed, right? I don't, I mean, that that would just not be a cool thing to do. It wouldn't be good for them that to pretend something that a lot of people would want is going to happen and then say, oh no, we faked you out. Yeah. That would. That's I why I have trust issues. That. If they did that, I would just never trust them again. <laughs> I would love it, but I just don't think they would do it because it's not because most people wouldn't love it. Scott Carl with them says, I'm a bit worried that there's not enough episodes left to bring this to a satisfactory ending. It needs to move even quicker. Yeah, I've been pushing back on those kind of sentiments, but I'm starting to feel that way, too. Now, (laughs) let's get it going. Got an email from Carolyn about last week's episode. Could Panic Room April be Tyler's sister? She fell on hard times. Tyler was trying to support his sister. She had kids. So did Tyler's sister. Um, I read that and thought, yeah, maybe. But I saw on the list he was Tyler Davis and she was April Martins. But maybe she's married. She could have been married. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, She goes on, also, I don't think Negan would have planned on marriage and a baby, given his womanizer background. I want to believe he genuinely respects and enjoys Annie's companionship, but knocked her up early and felt it proper to marry her. What do you guys think about that? I think he's over the womanizing thing. I think this is another sign that he is changed. I think he's evolved a little. I don't don't think that. I think he's over it. I think he wants to build what was good about his relationship with his first wife, Lucille, minus the cheating part, you know, and, and, um, he's trying to be a better man. And I, I don't think he's married her because he felt a responsibility because he knocked her up or anything like that. I think really the point they're pushing hard with Negan now is he's trying to be a better man. So that would go against that a little bit. I mean, not totally, but it's more of a good story for him if he just found this incredible woman and said, will you marry me? Let's have babies together. Than if he found this incredible woman, accidentally got her pregnant and was like, okay, I guess I should marry you. <laughs> you know. And he yeah. seemed genuinely 
excited to say, kind of excited to say he was married. Like, it wasn't like a, oh, yes. yeah, we had to get married. You know, like, I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think he's totally head over heels in love. All right, we got a few calls. Here's Penny Lennox. Hey, Walking Dead cast, it's Penny. I had a couple of thoughts about these last few episodes. First, Lance Warnsby has zero chill. With his, like, fussy hairdo and wearing vests all the time, it's like if Niles Crane was in the zombie apocalypse, you know, but <laughs> with evil. Um, you can tell he totally grinds his teeth by how even and short they are. <laughs> I've seen this kind of mounting stress and tightly bottled panic before. It's what most junior attorneys look like most of the time. <laughs> I predict he'll be developing an eye twitch next. Um, I hope the Commonwealth is growing cannabis alongside those poppies. Uh, the other thing is that uh, Seth Gilliam is just having the greatest season of all time, right? He gets all these heroic moments and delivering badass lines and they're giving him lots of screen time, and Gabriel has rediscovered his faith. Uh, this makes me worried that he's going to get killed off soon, and mm -hmm. maybe in the season mid-season finale, because we haven't had a major death in a long time, and it seems like we're due. I hope I'm wrong, though, because I really want AMC to announce a spinoff called Aaron <laughs> and Gabriel Encounter Actors from the Terminator franchise. Uh, this group of actors includes not only, you know, the governator and a former Batman, but also Shirley Manson, Bryce Dallas Howard, Common, Cersei Lannister and Daenerys Targaryen, the 12th mm -hmm. Doctor, Bellatrix Lestrange, J. Jonah Jameson, and the Mayhem guy from the uh, Allstate ads. Also, Chris Hardwick. Um, I would watch <laughs> the fork out of that show, and I bet all of you would, too. All right. Talk to you soon. I think I would be more excited about that spinoff than any of the ones that we, that are announced just because I've loved their interactions lately. Even that little moment on the roof that I forget which one you mentioned, but they're so good together. Yeah. That's the spinoff show. I think I would most want to watch is them together. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'd, I'd watch it for Dean winners alone. <laughs> the Mayhem commercial guy. I don't, quite agree with you about Lance being all stressed out. I think maybe he's a little stressed, but I also think he's jazzed about all the machinations he's into game of Thrones style. Well, I think he's totally turned on it. by it and driven by it. Yeah. He's so like I don't get finger. the feeling he's like harried or anything. He's yeah. He's like little finger. <laughs> or he <laughs> likes to do. think that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. We got Owen from Leeds. Hi, Jason and Lucy. Owen from Leeds, England here. A snowy Leeds, miserably cold, snow and sleet Leeds that's just, ugh. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's right at the end of March. Should be sunny, you know, we should be getting into that summer weather. Oh, what I'd give to be back in Hawaii. Anyway, The Walking Dead, <laughs> uh, episode 15 of season 11. Um, good episode. You know, a lot of stuff's coming together. Kind of a couple's episode, you know. You've got uh, Mercer and Princess. That's a hot couple. You've got you've got Eugene and Max. Nice little kiss at the end. Fat Mercer and Max, very cute siblings. You know, you've got Aaron and Gabriel, Negan and old what's she called? Annie. 
So yeah, you know that's that's nice. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I thought it was a good episode. You know, a lot of politicking going on. Nice to see Ezekiel in his quote unquote vet surgery. Um, Carol playing both sides as usual. And now Max is going to get up to no good as well on behalf of our decent people. Our people who are here to save us. You know, you could call them the saviors. Because <laughs> they were the first heroes. Just like Negan. Anyway, yeah, next week. <laughs> Shit's going down. <laughs> Evil Leah, the vigilante on Team Commonwealth versus Team Negan and the good guys. Bring it on. Can't wait. Anyway, I'm off to go look at the snow. But you guys, you can just look at the flowers. <laughs> look at the flowers, guys. Getting a little hostile at the end there. Not I uh, we ne- it never snows here. I'd like it to snow for a little while. I love that. Never get snow. You can have it. <laughs> that was All a right. lovely voicemail. What a lovely accent. Thank you. Thanks, so. Owen. He doesn't think he has an accent, but we do. Here's Steve Brown. <laughs> Ooh, Walking Deadcast. This is Steve, and this is for Trust. Oh, Carlson. Bloody, bloody Carlson. <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah, that's the story. He's probing for information to see if he's involved in rebellion, you think, or if there's something bigger going on. I'm not sure what this questioning of Princess to uh, Mercer is. Normal thing, just walking your kids to school. Ew, that shot of Aaron hitting that zombie's head with his mace hand. And Gabriel slicing that brain open. So here we are of the scene that opened the season, right? Or this section. Dang, the word trust being thrown around like everything. (laughs) Mic dropping. For the greater good, you're just going to sweep it under the the rug, huh, Mercer? Mm. Oh, such a good line to explain what's going on, Tommy. Why upset the apple cart when it's keeping you safe? Burning the engine to what? Oh, okay, to ethanol. Well, that's the fuel they gave him was ethanol for ethanol vehicles. Is Daryl out of his armor now? Carol's got more connections than we even know of. Wow, Mercer coming clean about everything. Get him, Elijah, putting his hands on Herschel. Okay, this is, Norman Reedus has it down. This is how you hold a rifle. You got a cheek weld, you got a sight line picture. Perfect. That's the way you hold a rifle. Well, that's trouble. The appendix burst. Oh, that's sweet, Eugene and Max. Oh, next week's going to be good. <laughs> we watched it tomorrow morning. So what would you guys say was the zombie kill of the week? I like the slice in half. I, yeah, slice in half for me. That was great. I love it for good. me, it was the pulverizing with the mace hand. <laughs> that was a very close second. I, had, I just had to go with my gut on that call. Yeah, they were both good. Both pretty good. Love the gore. Two more calls. Here's Thomas, who called in about last week's episode. Hi, Jason. Hi, Lucy. This is Thomas from Arizona. And Lucy, I hope you're feeling better and you had a safe recovery. Um, But I wanted to comment on this week's episode, uh, the the season 11, episode 14. Um, You know, so... Negan and um, Herschel. Now, the conversation that they had, it was so intriguing to me when Negan went all um, 
Kill Bill style and said, one day when you're older, you know, you can come and find me. And I had this entire like brain like explosion moment where I thought, what if we're going to have this huge time jump, right? in this so-called Isle of the Walking Dead. And Herschel is now an adult and they can age everyone up about 10 years, right? Let's say Negan has a child as well, who's about 10 years of age. And there's this whole backstory catalog and we will eventually get to the point where probably last episode, Herschel has the opportunity to kill Negan as he bespoke you know, so many years ago. So now I feel like I already know how the ending's gonna be for that show. But I just thought that was really interesting. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if they don't follow up on that now that it's been put out there. And I would guess that there'll be a time jump at some point somewhere and we'll see teenage Herschel confront Negan. Yeah. In some way. That'd be cool if they would do that. Yeah, be cool. I doubt he would kill him. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Thanks, Thomas. Good to hear from you. I haven't heard from you in a while. One more call from Robin Springer. Good morning, Jason and Lucy. It's Robin down here in Georgia again. The Civilization and Commonwealth has really um, sanded off the rough edges of a couple of our characters with 80 grit sandpaper. I don't think it was this episode, but when Daryl took Judith to school... I noticed she's gotten her hair cut in a blunt cut and she's lost her her badass braid and you know she's dressed in her little dress and princess all of the wild and wonderful wackiness of princess has pretty much disappeared although good for her she is an adult who has had a lot of sex and that's okay that's a good thing um good for her and, and mercer i did want to also mention and jason go ahead and edit this out if you think it's inappropriate but there are a couple of organizations that people who want to help Ukrainians can donate to, and the money is right there on the street in Ukraine. The first is World Central Kitchen, the organization run by Jose Andres. They are literally on the streets of Ukraine giving food to people. They partner with local restaurants and, and partners and give everyone that they can a plate of hot food, which seems like a small thing, but is really, really huge. He's in Bucha right now and um, has seen firsthand the atrocities. Anyway, wck.org, you can donate to them. They're a wonderful organization. Also, the Polish Red Cross, anything you donate to them is going straight to Ukraine. Uh, they need all the help they can get with all of the refugees that they've taken in. And that is redcrossredcrescent.org. And you can donate to them. And there's another local one in upstate New York where I grew up. It's John Kuko, K-U-C-K-O Digital. He's a photographer and he's putting together a series of, of photos of sunflowers that he's putting onto postcards. You can order them from his Facebook page and... Uh, he's putting together a list of schools and orphanages that have taken in kids from Ukraine, whether with their parents or not. And he'll put that list up. And you can buy the cards, and eventually he'll have the list of organizations where you can send them to the kids to just give them, hopefully, some sort of a boost, which I'm sure they can all, they can all need. Anyway, just my two cents about what you can do if you want to help the people of Ukraine. Uh, 
It's really bad there. Anyway, bye, y'all. I really appreciate you calling in with that, Robin, and I'll definitely include all of those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to check out any of those places to donate. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for providing that. All right, that is our show, episode 466. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's, I'm only going to get to say that a few more times, except for on all the other podcasts I do on the many other shows, but <laughs> for The Walking Dead, thank you. Thank you, Rima and Jamie, for guesting. I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. It was fun to talk to you guys. Yes. Appreciate you coming on. This was so much fun. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, Jamie. I'm glad you, you wanted to come on. I'm, I'm glad I came on. I didn't even mention it, but Lucy is good. She's feeling good and she is on vacation. This is a planned thing. She's, I think she's somewhere where she can visit Game of Thrones locations. Mm, I I heard. I forget where exactly, but um, yeah, I'm jealous. It's so cool. Yeah. So she said she was going to take a bunch of pictures and she'll be back next week for the mid trimester finale. Yes. In the meantime, if you want to write in or leave us a message, you can find all our contact information at podcastica.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our other shows. Like Strange Indeed, which I know started as a Stranger Things podcast and will continue as a Stranger Things podcast finally starting next month, right? Yes, in May. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's cool, man. I'm excited for you to cover that again. It's going to be you and Peg, and maybe you'll have a special guest in there once or twice. I I do feel like we're going to have a special guest sprinkled in there on occasion, and who knows? I feel like uh, this is going to be, um, you know, a a season of surprises, not just from the show, but from us as well. So, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I think just stay tuned. You never know. I'm what excited we're about do. like yeah. this next season. Sounds like they're really going all out, and it's going to be bigger and everything. Yeah. So, it, cool. and it better be. It freaking took long enough to get here. So, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, also, I started covering Moon Knight. We have our own Moon Knight podcast called Moon Knight Cast, but it's also on House Podcastica. It's me and Kirk Manley. First episode was great. Oscar Isaac. Feels a little bit like Legion that you and I covered, Remo, with uh, mm-hmm. superhero mental health issues and stuff. But it's really fun. And it's a lot more fun and funnier than I thought it was going to be. It was really great. And and yeah, good point. I don't know if we would have had uh, Moon Knight, if not maybe for Legion a little bit. Um, but yeah, it. I, I thought that first episode was outstanding. And I'm so glad you guys are covering it. My only problem with it is I kept thinking, this is great, but it's not as good as Legion. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to it's get that so out unique. of my head. I know. Yeah. It, Legion is definitely um, stands alone uh, up on a, for me, you know, a shelf for yeah. me. Yeah, it's so fantastic. Did you see it, Jamie? Moon Knight? Yeah, no, and I listened to your coverage of it. Like, it was, yeah, it was re- I really enjoyed the show and obviously enjoyed listening to you guys, too. I like. Well, it's not obvious, so I'm glad to hear. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, we're also wrapping up our, well, we're in the middle, sort of towards the end of our uh, Yellow Jackets rewatch, which is, I still just am so enamored by that show. It's so great. And coming so up uh, soon is Better Call Saul with me and Rima and I think David, and we're going to cover the final season. I'm really excited about that. 
that might just be on House Podcastica. I don't know if I'm going to make a separate podcast for it, given that it's the final season. But um, anyway, that's coming up. I, I want to try to get a rewatch in, so I better get started because it's coming out like real soon. And uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi after that, which will be a ton of fun. The trailers look so good. Yeah, I'm so freaking thrilled for that show. Yeah. I just can't even tell you. I want you to come and guest on at least one of those since you're such a big fan. That'd be awesome. Oh, I'd love to. If you would. Uh, next episode of this podcast, the mid-trimester finale, Walking Dead Season 11, Episode 16, which well, that would be the final episode of the season if it was any other season, called Acts of God. All right, that is our show. Thanks for listening. Don't get bit, Gary Hewitt. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.